1: Just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. I'm Josh Pate. It is Tuesday morning ish. It is certainly March 2nd, the year of our Lord 2021. Got a loaded show, got a lot of housekeeping notes to get to right off the top. Let's remind you how this works it's QA, wall to wall, unless there's a rare exception, which there may be in a week or two. And I'll let you know about that in uh, probably about two minutes. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. That's one way that you can submit a question or just a good faith comment. The second way is follow me on Twitter at LateKickJosh. And remember, there's incentive there. Every thousand followers that we hit on Twitter, there is incentive, which I'm also going to get to in probably about 45 seconds. This is a tough timeline to stick to. So thank you so much for tuning in. What I was talking about, you know what, forget 45 seconds. Let's talk about it now. What I was talking about and what we have been teasing for a couple of weeks now is every thousand followers we get to a nice even thousand mark on Twitter. I think 13,000 was the most recent that we climbed over. We're going to do something really fun. And so I told you it's coming and now it's here. Here are the details. I'm going to share this on probably late Kick Live Thursday night. I'll also put it out on Twitter at some point and I'll share it on the Thursday podcast, but you're here now. So you get an early head start. We're doing a very interactive Zoom recording next week that will be turned into a show that will be put on the YouTube channel. It'll also be turned into probably Thursday's edition of this podcast. So you'll hear it. And so here's what I want from you. If you want to be a part of that, if you want to get in on it, it's going to be It's going to be very interactive. It's going to be conversational. It's going to be Q&A. So it'll sound kind of like what we do on every Late Kick Extra podcast, except you'll be tossing me things instead of me just reading things that you've emailed or you've DM'd me. If you want in on this, email me joshpate706 at gmail.com. I can't guarantee everyone's going to get on it because I know we're going to get hundreds of submissions, but we're going, I'm working with producer Jordan now. We're trying to nail down the parameters and what the process is going to be. He's going to be our esteemed moderator. He'll probably have video off because, as usual, we don't believe in the production crew showing their faces. That's how Colin, that's how director Colin has become such an enigma on Late Kick Live. And he prefers it that way. So anyway, here's how it's going to work. You email me, joshpate706 at gmail.com. You let me know you want your name basically inserted into this little quasi-lottery we're going to do. And we will take your name. We'll write it on a piece of paper. We'll put it in the bin over here after the Thursday Late Kick Live, so probably Friday sometime, we will give that bin, we'll give the hopper a big spin. We will draw, I don't know how many names out. It's going to be in the double digits, but I don't know how many names exactly we've landed on yet. We will draw names out and we will let you know accordingly. And then we'll send you a date, a time. We think we're going to record this Monday night. So a week from yesterday, if you're listening on Tuesday, Monday night, uh, if you got a normal job, uh, like no one here at twenty four seven has, if you got a normal job and you just work nine to five, we're going to give you time. So we're not going to do it in the middle of the day. We're also not going to do it at midnight. So it'll it'll work out for you schedule wise. But again, email me and we will get your name in there. And you got a few days left, but don't put it off. And you know it wouldn't hurt to sell yourself a little bit. It wouldn't hurt to give a pitch, maybe one or two sentences why I should be included in the as of now yet to be named late kick zoom special extravaganza whatever, whatever. That could be the name, actually. We'll see how marketing feels about that. So that's out of the way. Now, another thing that's going on is I, uh, here, I'll let you listen to it. Well, obviously, that's the sound of an apple. I'm spitting all over my windscreen right now. So we get done with the podcast the other day. It's really hard talking to you talk these things. We get done with the podcast the other day, and producer Jordan says, hey, I got a tip for you. I say, hey, my I'm all ears. What is it? He says, I want you to go buy some apples. I want you to eat them. He didn't tell me to do it on air. But he said, this is going to help you with your positives. Now, what plazatives are, as you noticed if you've listened to this podcast, is anytime I pronounce a P or a T or, you know, anytime I have to close my lips and it pops this windscreen, or if I, you know, if I open and close my mouth, hey, sometimes the Lord made some of us in such a way that it just makes a sound. Now, I contend, as I get done chewing this, I contend that that's just the way that I've been created, and it is what it is, and we're going to have to deal with it. And if some of you walk away, I can't blame you because, hey, I can't stand that sound either, but some of you walk away, some of you walk away, but Producer Jordan says, no, no, if you'll just go to Publix for $0.68, cents, they're going to be able to sell you a device, also naturally created, that will help you alleviate those problems. So I'll tell you this, friends. I just bit into that apple. You heard it right here. I would not lie, and I just chewed it up. So now we're going to see, because you're going to be able to tell better than I, Whether that worked and whether we can still hear any kind of these ridiculous mouth sounds that apparently only I make and none of the rest of the folks in this business have ever had to deal with. And the way I basically look at it is like this Back in the day, when I first got into TV and they told me that they were gonna expect me to wear makeup on air because I had a shiny forehead, I still do for the record. If all I have to do to make it in the podcasting world is eat an apple, which I should be doing anyway, according to my doctor, I'm good with it. So we'll see a little test run this morning, but we've also got some really good questions this morning and we will waste no further time. Let's dive in. Matthew has a couple of them, actually. Actually, I think Matthew has about five, but they're all in one submission. Very smart on his part. So let me just go in order here. His first question is How impactful do you think athletic directors are to football programs? My answer there, Matthew, would be uh, somewhat to very impactful. Obviously, most of the time, your athletic director has made the head coaching hire. Sometimes you'll get a situation where a head coach will be there and then the AD comes in. But most of the time, it's the opposite. So they are obviously directly tasked with either themselves hiring the head coach or putting together the search committee that's going to hire the head coach. But the most important role of any athletic director these days is fundraising and overseeing the fundraising operations and mechanisms they're under. And where that really comes into play for a football fan, even though you don't see it happening unless you're rich, in which case they're hitting you up on the regular to get money out of your pocket, where you finally see it is, For instance, 24-7 sports are Brad Crawford. I know he's been working on his annual top 25 facilities list in college football. Well, how in the world do you think those things get built? They get built because you build them. You guys build them. It's not an AD or a coach that builds them. You build them because you give money to help them be built. And so that's the first thing that you eventually notice, even if you don't immediately notice it. The second thing is when you have a head coach, even if you have the right one, he's going to ask for certain resources. He's going to ask for an increase in a recruiting budget. No coach has ever asked for their recruiting budget to be slashed. No coach has ever gone to his AD and said, you know, Steve, Jeff, Bob, whatever. I got too many coaches on this staff. We have, we have too big an analyst and support staff. I don't think I need five on my nutrition staff. Maybe three you'll do. Well, that never happens. It happens in the reverse order. So how creative can you get with budget? How convincing can you be sometimes with your university overlords who have to approve such things? And some places, you know, maybe in the SEC, they don't have to have those conversations. It's basically whatever head coach says, that's what he's going to get as long as he's producing on the field. But Matthew, I don't know what part of the country you're in, but I know that if you're on the West Coast or maybe you're in the Midwest or maybe, you know, you're in some portions of the Big Ten, there may be a lot more treacherous waters to navigate, let's say, To get some of the things approved that are an afterthought, if you're the AD at South Carolina or if you're the AD at LSU. And so, yeah, AD is very important. I think it's disproportionately important to have a great one the higher up on the food chain you get. Because the higher up on the food chain you get, obviously, the higher the stakes, the bigger the money, the more plentiful the resources, but also you can fail spectacularly on that level too. Everyone gets to that level and wants to succeed on a grand scale. Well, that yeah, that can happen, but I want you to look at the University of Tennessee right now, and I want you to think about how many resources they have and how big a mess Tennessee has been, and that falls on not one person. It falls on a lot of people, but ultimately, what do you remember? You remember the head coach, if you're an outsider, and Tennessee fans remember the head coaches and the athletic directors, and how even with all of these resources that we gave them that were at their disposal, they screwed it up, so very important, Matthew. He says also following up, as a side note, I'm a Western Kentucky and Alabama fan. So I guess he did tell us where he's from. Thank you, Matthew. He said, for Western Kentucky, our AD has done a lot to schedule big names and get our name out there. Do you feel that behind the scenes, that's the work of a great coach or a great AD? You might not know much about Western Kentucky, but thank you for the answers either way. Well, I think in an ideal world, Matthew, the answer is it's the work of both. It's a combined effort. I don't know many successful programs out there where the head coach is not at the very least." consulted about scheduling practices. He may not have the final stamp of approval in some places they do, but he may not have that. But at least you want to ask, what's our overall strategy here? You got to know where you're going. And again, if you're if you're Western Kentucky, that's even more important because this is not a blue blood tier one program. It's not even a power five program. But yet you have aspirations and you have certain goals that you want to meet. They may not match Oklahoma, but you have you have your own goals in your own world that you want to meet well, how do you best achieve those goals? How do you best put yourself in position? Do you want to play a few of those big paycheck games? Do you want to just schedule a bunch of cream puffs in your own out-of-conference that you can beat? Do you best fund your athletic department, and do you best fund your mechanism by doing it that way? I'd say for the Western Kentuckys of the world, the answer really takes care of itself when you realize what you have to have to win and what you have to have to operate, and that's money. And the best way in this sport, or one of them anyway, to get that money is to go play Alabama, is to go play Georgia, is to, you know, go play Kentucky, whoever it's going to be, and make sure you get that paycheck. But also what it does is it lets your kids compete on a national level. Absolutely. It lets them get exposure. It's also something I've noticed in the past when I've been around some guys. I've been around guys recruited by Western Kentucky, actually, a couple of them. And I know that part of the pitch when uh, those coaches came into Harris County High School to recruit back in the day was here is our schedule over the next four years. Now, you may not be getting an offer from Alabama, but I'm telling you right now, if you'll look at 2009 or 2012 or whatever the case may have been, we're going to play them. So at the very least, you're going to get to go play there. Also, if if they're recruiting West Central Georgia, they could tell family, we're going to play a couple of -of out-of-conference games over the next few years that are within a three-hour drivable radius of your current home. So those are a lot of other reasons why you schedule up. But the main reason you schedule up is for the money. And I certainly think that it pays off in the long run to be aggressive. I don't think any program has been disproportionately negatively impacted. Now, I think you can look at some New Mexico state schedules of years past, for example, and look at it and say, that's a death wish. I can guarantee you whoever made this schedule is very, very glad they don't have to get on the field and actually play this schedule. But those extreme examples, notwithstanding, Yeah, I think it's a really good idea, and it's something that's decided between AD and head coach. And Matthew's last question was, well, actually, it was his first question, but I pushed it to number three. He said, what are your rankings of favorite football or sports movies? Now, I don't have a comprehensive list in front of me, so I'm not going to even try to go down it. There are going to be glaring omissions here. I'm not even going to fill out a top five. I have told you before, and I will reiterate because nothing has changed, my favorite movie, sports or otherwise of all time, is Field of Dreams. That's not touchable. The second thing that I will tell you is Celtic Pride is the most underrated sports movie of all time. I think a lot of you have probably seen that one. It's got Marv from Home Alone, which I think his name's Daniel Stern. It's got Damon Wayans, who stars for the Utah Jazz in that movie. It's also got Dan Ackroyd. It's really, really funny. I mean, it's really good. It's a Judd Apatow movie. It's really funny. It's like mid-90s. I want to say 95 or 96, somewhere around there. So those are two sports movies that I want to have mentioned. The third one I want to land on to get back to football is Remember the Titans is a great movie. Remember the Titans has always been a great movie. Remember the Titans has become one of those movies, by the way. If you've noticed in your social circle that for someone who wants to sound really advanced and intellectually superior and cool, they'll start to nitpick and they'll start to chisel away at the inaccuracies historically of Remember the Titans. When you realize you have a friend like that, here's what you want to do. You want to lean back and you want to go, okay, well, this has been fun. I'll see you later, guys. Let's head out to the parking lot, get your keys, start gathering your things, and then. Everyone gets in their car, they all crank it up, let your friend be the first to back out and drive away, and then once his taillights have faded on the horizon, then everyone turn their car off, er, er, lock it, go back inside, grab some refreshments, make the popcorn, and then the rest of you who understand it's a Disney movie and it doesn't have to be shot for shot from what happened 40 or 50 years ago, can enjoy one of the greatest movies of all time. I have no clue why people have to do that, and I am very salty about it because I was just listening to something this past week wherein some people remember the Titans was exactly what it should have been for them. And then there was this other person, yeah, it's great, but if you've read the Wikipedia page, it's not exactly how it happened. This is probably the same crowd who would tell you pro wrestling's fake, but yet would never watch Olympic or amateur wrestling on TV, because they realize sometimes building characters and constructing story arcs, it can lend itself to some very, very entertaining and quality programming, and you don't have to sacrifice the overall message. You don't have to sacrifice any of the overall themes. So that is why I think, remember, the Titans is a great movie. I had to get that off my chest. I'm glad, Matthew, you gave me an opportunity to this morning. All right, next up, we have a submission from a coach, actually. So I got to keep it anonymous because of the question. You'll see why in just a second. The coach says, this may be the only time in history this happens in football, but I was talking to one of our freshmen who just enrolled early at fill in the blank, and he was explaining how the coaches thought it was better for him to start learning the system now and go through spring ball than to play his senior year of high school this spring. This is an area where high school football was obviously pushed to the spring. So essentially, we have a kid enrolling early, and because he's enrolling early, and this is the one time in history the high school season got pushed to spring, the college staff wants him to be on campus and early enroll and go through their spring practice instead of his senior year of football. So we continue here. Having covered high school football as long as you did, what do you think about this in terms of player development? Well, for the first thing I think is I'm glad that hopefully this is a one-time deal. The second thing is I think it has to be treated case to case uh, because depending on the program you're going to and the program you're coming from at the high school level, chances are when it comes to player development, you are getting better player development at the college level. The second and more important follow-up question there is which experience is more important? And I'm telling you, I don't necessarily care what people think it may do to your freshman year in college. I'm not giving up my senior year of high school football. That's just me. It could be that the kid we're talking about here wasn't even particularly interested in in playing his senior year in spring. Or maybe he does value the early college experience more than the high school experience. That's fine. But I just know that I hear a lot of folks, I hear folks by the dozen, dozens and dozens and dozens talk about memories from their senior year of high school. I don't hear many of them tell as fond of stories about their freshman year in college. And so I would go senior year in high school. But strictly from a player development standpoint, if that's all that matters, yeah, I think the college, especially if you're going to a a legit one, and he is, I can tell you by looking at the fill in the blank here, player development, you'll be fine. The other side to this question that sometimes we run into is sometimes a kid is playing, let's say, his senior year of baseball, or let's just say he's a senior in high school, period. This used to be a big talking point. I remember when the advent of the early enrollee started to become really popular. And it was only a few, few, few kids who would be your early enrollees. In your signing class, you were lucky if you had two or three of them that were going to be early enrollees. Well, now a vast majority of your signing class is enrolling early and they're not taking part in their second semester of their senior year of high school. Well, I remember back in the day, and this was not all that long ago, where coaches had to really ride the fence on what they were going to suggest a kid do. Did they want to encourage him to try and graduate early and enroll early so they could get him in spring practice of his freshman year? Or did they want him to stay in high school and play maybe baseball or go to your prom and do all the things that you would do as a normal kid? Well, now it's an afterthought. No one talks about that anymore. So fortunately, this situation where you have spring football to worry about balancing, that's not going to be an issue. Spring football at the high school level, I mean, that's not going to be an issue hopefully beyond this year. Christian is talking about something this morning that many, many of you talk about, and it doesn't have to do with Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, but what it has to do with is that next group. And out of that next group, who's going to be the first one to win a national championship? And I got probably three strong thoughts on this, and I'll deliver them right after this.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
1: So Christian's basic question here is, which team, out of the regulars, is going to be the next to win a national championship? LSU did it in 2019, so we see you don't even have to have previously been considered a bona fide tier one team in order to pop up and win a championship. So who's it going to be? Well, obviously, we push Bama, Clemson out of this discussion. We don't really push Ohio State out. They haven't won one since 2014, but for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to push them out because I think they would be the obvious answer. So outside of Ohio State, the next obvious answer for me would be Oklahoma. And some of you could argue, okay, well, if you push them out, who's it going to be? And I think that's fair. So my answer would be Oklahoma. If we're pushing them out, Georgia is the next answer. And I'm just going down the list of who checks all the resource boxes for me, who checks all the critical factor boxes, I guess would be a better way to put it. And that's roster. That's quarterback. That is coaching staff. That's schedule. That's critical depth. Georgia has all that. Oklahoma has all that. Obviously, the other big boys have all that. And then behind Georgia. So if we put them off to the side, Oklahoma, Georgia are both out of the way. Where are we going? Well, at that point, I would either look at Texas A&M or I would look at North Carolina. Now, neither of those right this second checks every single box. I think A&M is probably closer. But here's what North Carolina has. North Carolina has quarterback figured out. North Carolina is rapidly figuring out, if they haven't already, recruiting. I was talking to Steve Wolfong this morning. In fact, I'm we are talking, Wolfong and I, about taking one of our Late Kick Extra podcasts next week and just going hardcore in recruiting. And I'm not just talking about, here's this name. Here's a four-star receiver from Virginia Beach, and here's where he's leaning. I'm talking about recruiting the way that you would probably prefer to hear it and it would appeal to a, a broader audience talking about overarching themes, some behind the scenes stuff, the real dirt on what happens, that sort of deal. That's the side point. But I was talking to Wilfong this morning, and we were talking about North Carolina. And it's this evergreen question lately of who's going to challenge Clemson. Well, North Carolina's biting Clemson's ankle a little bit right now. They almost beat him two years ago on the field. Uh, That wouldn't be unprecedented. Clemson has suffered upsets before and gone on to win a championship in the 2016 year. They think they lost a pit and won a championship. So it can be done. But what North Carolina has also done is ever since Mac Brown walked in the door, I felt like they refused to fall in line with the rest of the ACC. They refused to take a number, as I've put it. They refused to just know their role. They've looked around and said, why is no one else? Why is no one even trying to eat? The buffet line's open. Everyone's got a tray in their hand. No one's trying to eat. So they just hop right to the front of the line, and they're right there. And so they're taking some shots at Clemson. Clemson's going to always win their fair share on the recruiting trail, but North Carolina has done a lot better job here. They got a couple of kids in this cycle right now that they're really pushing for. So I say all that to say they've already got quarterback figured out. They got Sam Howell there right now, one of the best quarterbacks in America this year. You've also got Drake May on campus, your quarterback of the future. That's such a luxury to have that figured out because the rest of your roster's dominoes tend to fall in place. The rest of your recruiting plan tends to fall in place. And here's the other added benefit that people are not talking about yet with North Carolina, but they will. This has always been a place that coaches wanted a reason to go to. But to this point, up until recently, if you were a true A-list coach, you could not justifiably look at North Carolina and say, all right, I'll consider them right along with an offer from LSU and an offer from Oklahoma and an offer from Michigan. But now you can because they're taking football seriously right now. And they're a a player. And you can do everything you need to do at North Carolina. You also get a great quality of life. You get to be in a great community. It's a great program. It's a great fan base. So you get the positives that you used to not be able to get, but really no negatives have come along with it. Like, North Carolina is not looked at as some like mercenary outpost. This is a place that's very desirable. And if you're a basketball guy, you've always wanted to go there. Well, now if you're a football guy, you can go there too. And so that's what Mack Brown's done. That's why I believe in the future of that program. But going back to Texas AM, I think Texas AM, the answer there is obvious because they have started to check a lot of the boxes I already mentioned. You've got the staff, like, you got the roster, you've built or are building the critical depth. The quarterback box is a big box that they haven't really checked yet. But then again, we may be singing a different tune when it comes to quarterback in Texas a and after spring practice, much less fall camp. So yeah, I believe in the future of those two programs as well. And I'm really interested to see what Miami does this year. I'm not putting them in championship conversation or anything like that. I'm really interested to see what kind of step they can take. I'm really interested to see what kind of step Mike Norvell and FSU can take. And I know conspicuous in their absence in this answer is Florida. I'm not ready to put Florida in that conversation right now. Florida is not far away, certainly, but I always worry and will as long as the recruiting apparatus is the way it is at Florida. I'm always going to worry the ceiling on the program under Dan Mullen is below championship caliber levels, which is weird because it feels like the floor there is seven and five, eight and four, the absolute worst case. And so if you normally got an eight and four worst case, you're a championship caliber program. But yet I also think the ceiling on Florida, there's just not a lot of variation, I guess. I just feel like Florida right now, they are who they are and who they are is a really, really good program. But they even last year had quarterback figured out, but we still saw there was a ceiling on the team because the problem is with Florida as the way they're currently constructed, showing up with their C plus game, they can't win. Even against LSU, they couldn't win last year. And you got to be able, maybe not at a C plus, but if you show up with your B minus game, you got to have a roster that's good enough to just will yourself to an ugly victory. That sometimes is the difference between going nine and three and you know being eleven and one and going to play for a conference championship and all that good stuff that may come along with it. So I would go Oklahoma, Georgia there, and if we're excluding them, give me A and M and give me North Carolina. With, with, by the way, Oregon being the next team on that list. I didn't want to leave the Ducks out. I meant to talk like five minutes on them, and I did five seconds instead. All right, we got meetings going on. i got to cut it a, ew, just a little bit short this morning. I will make this up to you, don't worry. And, hey, I'm really going to make it up to you when you get to run the show and we get to go as long as you want to. So remember, joshpate706 at gmail.com or on Twitter at latekickjosh. Start submitting your names to be put in the first ever, I guess, latekick lottery for next week's Zoom special. And we'll find a nice fancy name for that, probably put a graphic together and we'll be ready to go. So we're going to do that Monday. We've got a week. Don't worry though, but also don't wait. Get your name in. For producer Jordan, who donated the apple that I am not done eating yet, I'm Josh Pate. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Have a great rest of your day and God bless. (music)